Well, Father, we thank you that we can be together this morning. We thank you for what has already transpired today, that we got to come into this room and be together in your presence. Lord, thank you for the anointing and the corporate blessing that you release when we worship you in singing together, in dancing together, in taking communion together. You say that you, you come and bring your presence, Lord. You inhabit the praises of your people. What an honor to have you come inhabit our praises. Lord, as we open up the scriptures today, I ask that by your Holy Spirit that you would shape us to be more like Christ by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have been on a journey, and today is the last day of that particular part of the journey, and we've been going through Philippians, and so this is part eight in Philippians, and how many of you got saved at least twice last week when Jason preached? Come on, I backslid on purpose just so I could get saved again, because it was that good. Yeah, I know, let's just end right there. A couple of you are probably like, I am in the wrong place. That is heresy, and you're right, it is. <laughs> so good job good job all right let's get to the scriptures because this is going nowhere fast all right here we go we can center around the scriptures can't we all right so paul is speaking to the philippians and he says i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. He, I love this. He's, he's talking about almost like the springtime, you know. It, it's burst into bloom. Your care for me has burst into bloom. It's flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. The first thing I want you to notice is he says the word again. He says your, uh, your uh, <laughs> care for me has flourished again, meaning it's happened more than once. These guys are his partners. The Philippians have been partnering with Paul in this work for quite some time. And he's encouraging them and he's telling them, guys, you made me rejoice because of what you did and I appreciate it. And then he says, though you surely did care, I'm sure you were caring the whole time because it was a long time in between the last time I heard from you guys. But Epaphroditus showed up with your gift and I am blessed. And he's sending Epaphroditus back to them, if you recall. And if you don't recall, then go back and listen to this series because it's a good one. And you can find it on the website or you can get the podcast. Um, but he just says, listen, thank you. Thank you for doing this. And you want to catch this too, that this is a significant financial gift that they've sent with Epaphroditus. It, it's, a, it's a big gift. We know this for a couple of reasons. One, he's gushing over it and he's going to talk a little more about it. And secondly, it was a long trip from that, that, that they sent Epaphroditus over. It wasn't just like, you know, grab an Uber and run across town and drop off a check. This was a major trip. And Epaphroditus, as you recall earlier in the letter, he almost died on this trip. So there was some hardship involved. It was a major gift that they had saved up and then sent to Paul. So they've been, they've been his partners all of this time, and, and he's thanking them for that continues on. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul, he wants, he wants to let the Philippians know, first of all, that he is content. He says, 
Not that I speak in regard to need. Now, this is an interesting thing. He's saying, listen, I rejoice in this huge gift that you just sent to me. You guys have, your, your generosity has flourished again. Thank you so much for that big, beautiful gift. I really appreciate it. However, he, he also says, but not that I'm speaking in, rega- in regard to need. Now, why, why is that? Why is, why is he making such a big point of that? You know, guys, thank you for that refreshing gift. Huge blessing. Seriously, really came in at just the right time. But not that I'm talking about my needs here. Well, the reason why he's making this large point is during that time, as, 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 as in this time now, there are philosophers and teachers that are going about, and they're using, this was kind of normal for that day, and, and come on, we see it today as well. But there were those that would use philosophy or religion or, or secret knowledge. And they would come in, they'd go into towns, and they'd call people to themselves. And they'd say, listen, you, you kick me down some money, and I will hook you up with a good philosophy. I will hook you up with a good religion. I will hook you up with secrets that only I know. And so they would use these, these vain philosophies, these different things, or even the gospel of the kingdom. In other places we see where there are those that see the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as a good way to get rich. And how many of you know that still happens today? You know, we, can, we can certainly empathize with the Philippians and with Paul that there are still those in this day that use the gospel to get rich. That's not a secret. Some people do that. And Paul is saying to them, I'm not like that. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm not speaking to my need as though that should be what motivates you. I'm not just saying like, guys, I got a lot of needs and boy, I'm going to just use some flattery to tell you Philippians about, you did a good job. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're just such an amazing good people. You guys are really, they're like, ooh, that feels pretty good. Maybe I'll send some more money and Paul will send me some more compliments. He's going, no, that's, that's not what we're doing here, guys. I'm rejoicing in the gift that you've given but I'm not speaking in regard to need. He's, he, he goes on to say, he says, because I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I've learned to be content. And then he opens it up even further. He goes, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. How many of you feel like you know how to be abased? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm being abased right now. Well, good. Have you learned how to be content in it? Paul's saying, I've learned how to do not so good, and I've learned how to do really good, and either way, I am completely content. How is he content in that? How how is he able to pull that off? Well, it says in the final scripture here in this particular section, he says, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This particular scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is probably, actually, I remember when I first made this my own. You guys can use it, but it actually belongs to me. I claimed it when I was 16 years old, and I was in Australia, and I went to a Bible study, and they said, what is your life scripture? And I thought, shoot, life scripture? I'm 16. I, I don't do any kind of planning for a whole lifetime yet, but I kind of flipped through the Bible, I may have even heard somebody else say it. I don't want to stole theirs, actually. But they didn't patent it, and I patented it, so it's mine. Anyway, it became my favorite scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I just sprinkle it in any time that I need it. You know, I'm lifting a refrigerator all by myself. And I'm like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I put it in there. But that's not the context that Paul is actually talking about. There's a context for this scripture. You guys have heard this, right? I mean, how many of us use things out of context? And it's okay. It's legal. 
You can do that. It's all right. There's, there's enough blessing in scriptures to take them out of context sometimes within reason. But it's important that we do look at the context of when it was first used. You can't build a whole life on taking scripture out of context, all right? So the context of this scripture is not that Joshua can lift a heavy refrigerator, although he can usually, although I hurt my back recently. So, man, I should have got some help through Christ who strengthens me. Anyway, the reason why he's bringing this up is not in regard to those kinds of things. It's not in regard to, uh, to, to what I'm talking about with this refrigerator thing. What it's in regard to is being content. It's in regard to being content when he's going through suffering need as well as when he is abounding. And he says this um, because he's telling the Philippians, listen, I've learned this. Now remember, the Philippians are Paul's children. They're like his spiritual children. He loves these guys. He has given them the good stuff in this letter. We've talked about this earlier. But suffice it to say, he is telling these guys the most important things in this letter. He hopes to see them again, but even if he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care because he knows that he's going to be reunited with them with Jesus someday. So he's giving them the good stuff. So in the context of the good stuff, he's saying, listen, something I want you guys to grab a hold of is godliness with contentment. I want you to be content, guys, and I want you to know that I, Paul, your spiritual father, I'm content. I don't want you to be motivated by need, nor do I want you to be motivated by riches. I want you to be motivated by Christ Jesus. And you know what, beloved? You can do that through Christ Jesus. You can do all these things through Christ who strengthens you. You can actually be content even when you're hungry. You can be content even when you got so much money that it's causing problems of success. You know, I know some, some folks that have been dirt poor their whole life. And I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. They could throw a rock up in the air and it would hit them in the head every time. And they just have that kind of luck. They just had that kind of luck. And you know what, though? They got a whole bunch of money. And they are freaking out because they are not used to having money. And it's almost harder for them at the moment than when they didn't have anything because they could manage nothing. But managing something is freaking them out. <laughs> are you guys with me? So a lot of us, though, are in that same boat because you have to learn how to be content in Christ Jesus. And in another place, Paul, he's speaking to Timothy. It was actually in Timothy. That's the other place. He was talking to, to Timothy, and he says, Timothy? <laughs> Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul is, is in a little bit of a rut with this contentment thing, isn't he? It's because he has found something beautiful, and he's repeating it again. He's repeating it to the Philippians, and he's saying, I have learned to be content. So I don't want you to be motivated by your own need, and I don't want you to be motivated by my need. I don't want you to be motivated by riches. I want you to be motivated by partnering with Christ in, his, in the extension of his kingdom. And he's showing us that, that that's possible. He's also letting them know, guys, I don't want you to give because I'm flattering you right now. I'm not flattering you. I'm at peace, but you have partnered with me. Are you guys with that? All right. So let me, let me, let me go on, and we're going to unpack this a little bit further. He says, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also 
that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. So like, we, like I said, Paul is speaking to his partners. He's speaking to them and saying, your guys' generosity has flourished again. He begins with that, right? Your gift, your, your kindness towards me flourished again. I'm used to your kindness towards me flourishing again because you have been partnering with me throughout this whole work into Europe. He'd been working in Asia Minor before, and, they, and, and then now he's going into Europe. He's planting churches in Greece. The, the gospel is progressing. And you know who's helping him out with that? The Philippians. And he's encouraging them for it. He's encouraging them that they are, that they are sharing. And I love this too that he uses, he used, ah, uh, let's see. Boom, boom, ba Let me just, I'm gonna read it right in front of me because my tired little mind isn't tracking very good. Only you, only you are the church that was with me concerning giving and receiving. That's some interesting language that Paul picks that he's saying giving and receiving because you, you, you notice that Paul isn't sending the Philippians money. So what are they receiving? Where are they receiving that from? But he's saying, you are with me in the giving and the receiving. So there's something going on here where Paul's saying, listen, you're giving me a gift to further the gospel. You're not giving because I'm trying to get rich, and you're also not giving because of my great need. You're giving because you're a partner with me. Now, that makes us have to ask the question, well, then who are they receiving from? Where are they, get, where are they getting from? If they're, if they're investing and they're giving, we see that part, but where, who are they receiving from? Well, he begins to unpack that. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need. Ah, that's where they're receiving. So they're partnering with Paul on the giving end of things, and Paul is going, and he's getting it done. And believe me, I think the Philippians are pretty happy that Paul's getting it done because I don't think any of them are like, sign me up for the prison stuff, Paul. I'd like to get beat with sticks and stoned a few times. Hook me up with that business. No, I think they were like, let me write a check. <laughs> I'm, I'm signing up for the check writing personally. And that's just me, though. Some of you are like, no, give me with the sticks. That was funny in my head. It didn't work out out here, but in here it, was, it felt good. It was like, that's going to work. But it didn't. It didn't work. But then you laughed at me. And that's just as good. That's just as good. So the point that Paul's trying to make here is he's saying, listen, guys, guys, Philippians, listen, thank you for sending the gift. I'm not trying to flatter you like these vain philosophers or these get-rich-quick peeps. I'm not trying to use the gospel to get money out of you. So don't get me wrong because I've learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't need your money to make me happy. Because I'm already content. I got God with me in this prison cell right now. I got the kingdom right now. I know how to be hungry. I'll just call it a fast. <laughs> it might be forced, but I can pray and get some heaven out of this deal. And he says, and I'm rich right now because your, your money just showed up and now I'm abounding. But you know what? It changes nothing. I'm still content. I'm not worried now about losing the money because I have found contentment in God. You know, we got to catch a hold of this. we got to catch a hold of this contentment in God. You know, there's a great quote. I just, uh, was just reading East of Eden. Fantastic book. 
And uh, there's a great quote in there. Samuel is talking with another fellow, and he's, he's talking about human nature, and he says, there's a capacity for appetite that a whole heaven and earth of cake can't satisfy. There's something about us when we're making it all about our own appetites that can never be satisfied. And we will never be satisfied until we allow the strength of Christ to cause us to find godliness with contentment. It means we got to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. We will never be satisfied unless we're doing something that is bigger than my own self. And no amount of cake <laughs> or pie, if you're into pie, that cake doesn't even tempt Karen. She's like, Psh, that's a stupid quote. That's dumb. That would never. No, of course it wouldn't say it's cake. For her, it's pie, though. Baby, even pie. Heaven and earth full of pie wouldn't be enough. Karen is my wife if you're here for the first time. I just single people out. That's why we have to put your name on there, and then I just single you out. Holy Spirit told me to make a joke at your expense in front of everybody. No. The point is, until God causes us, until we find our contentment in being a part of extending his kingdom like what the Philippians are doing, there is no contentment for us. Then it's just a matter of appetite, and then we need more, and then we need more, and then we need more. So whether you're in a place of abounding right now or a place of abasing right now, you have the same level of discontent because it's not yet found in what we can only find in Christ. Suddenly then, our, 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 you know, we, might, we might be like the, 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 the people that I was referring to that got this fantastic wealth right now, and the wealth is a source of discontent because now they're like, well, what if we, what if we lose it? What if we manage it wrong and it, and it goes away? What if somebody steals it? What if somebody gets jealous because we have it? And you know what? <laughs> what if? What if? But if we've learned to abound and to abase, we can go through all those seasons. And he's with us. He's with us. And so Paul's encouraging us today in this, isn't he? Just like he's encouraging the Philippians. And then maybe you're in the part two where you're just, you're just broke. It's full on broke right now. Like everything is going wrong for you. You throw a rock up in the, in the air right now and it hits you in the head every time. Number one, stop throwing rocks. That's just practical. <laughs> but, but also know this, that you, you have access to being content right now. And, and you might think that if you could just get financial breakthrough or if you could just get through this season right now, whatever it is, then you would be content. No, you won't. You will not be content because you're abounding. You will only be content with the help of Christ, and you have to be able to be content now in order to be content later. Are you with me? And so Paul's speaking to the beloved Philippians, and he's speaking to us right now on that. Then he goes on to say, though, however, you have, Philippians, you have been faithful in the midst of where you are, and I want you to know that you are partnered with God in that. You're partnered with God in that. And he's saying this too, and don't think for a second that when you partner with God, that it's just a one-way street. That, that is a highway of blessing when you partner with God. That is a partnership where he does want to bless you. And he's confident about this. He doesn't, he doesn't mess around with it like, now guys, don't get me wrong here. Don't get me wrong. God's, God doesn't want you to just give to get because blah, blah. No, he doesn't go down that road at all. In fact, he actually says with absolute certainty he says when you partner with God to further the gospel of the kingdom then he supplies all of your need according to his poverty in the almost enough of that tired old Jesus who died on that cross and as far as we know never got raised 
He's about broke, but what he does have, he'll try to eke out a little bit for you. Mm. That's heresy. What it actually says is, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will supply all of your needs. When? When will he do that? When you partner with him in what he's doing. Now, why won't he bless you when you're not partnered with him? Because he loves you. How many of you gave your child the keys to the car when they were four years old? Now, you fully intend to give them that car at some point. So why don't you just give them those keys now? Because they are a child and you love them. So you check to see how they do on their little big wheel. And then their bicycle. And then maybe if you're really blessed like me, their motorcycle, which is pretty sweet. All right? And then eventually you drive with them. And then when they've been found faithful, you say, baby, here's the keys. The car is yours. Why? Because they've been faithful and little. And then you give them much. Well, God does the same thing with us, and he's telling the Philippians, listen, as you're faithful in this thing, I want you to know something. God is going to be the one that's going to continue to take care of all of your needs. And not according to your ability, but according to his riches and glory, he's going to supply your need. But you do notice that it is after that they've done this. And you notice he uses some unique and interesting language to explain what's happening. He says this to them. It's not that I seek the gift. I'm not trying to manipulate you to help poor old Paul who's in prison. And he really could have done that. Guys, I'm in prison, and you're not. I've just, I've lived by faith my whole life. I'm just loving Jesus. Ah, he's just, he's going to keep me humble, and you guys keep me poor. But if you could spare a little bit. Just send it over to Paul, suffering. He doesn't do any of that manipulative nonsense. In fact, he goes the other direction and says, guys, I don't even need your money. Now, if you'll send it, that's great. Thank you for partnering me. But if you don't, he'll send it from somewhere else. So don't think that this is about leveraging you. I have learned to abound and to abase. I'm content. I'm happy. However, you have given a gift, and for that, thank you, partners. Thank you. And by the way, guess what God feels about that? He believes, he feels this. He says, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. What you have given, you have actually given to God. There's some other scriptures that are beautiful like that. When you lend to the poor, you lend to God. Come on. There's some other scriptures that say, as you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With the measure that you measure will be measured back to you. What does that mean? If you give with an eyedropper, God's like, thank you, I appreciate that help. And then he blesses you back with an eyedropper. Bloop, bloop, bloop. How come I don't get any breakthrough, Lord? Well, you are getting breakthrough. But Lord, it's so tiny, it's so incremental. He's like, that's how you give. I'm just trusting you. I told you, if you're faithful and little, you'll be given much. Well, but Lord, how, if you'd give me more, I would give more. He's like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> No, you wouldn't. I love Jesus' math. I do. I love Jesus' math. You know what the tithe means? It means 10%. How much is 10% of a dollar? A dime. How much is 10% of a million dollars? Come on. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't give you a progressive tithe. It's still a tithe. 
Why? Because whether you abound or whether you abase, he is still good. And he goes, I want to trust you with a little bit because I want to trust you with a lot. And when I trust you with a lot, I want to trust you with a whole lot. Why? Because you're partnered with me and I can trust you. I want you to be a conduit of my blessing. I want you to find the people like Paul, and I want you to partner with them to extend the kingdom. And as you do it, and Paul doesn't mess around. He isn't like, now, guys, I don't want you to get this wrong. So, so let me just expand this a little bit, guys. I don't, I don't want to give you the impression that if you, if you partner with God, then he's going to faithfully bless you more and more and give you more and more. I don't want to give you that impression because if that's, if that's what you're thinking, that's not it. He's going to cut you off. Because that, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to multiply anything. He just wants you just barely holding on. So I don't want you to be motivated by giving to get. He didn't say any of that, actually. He just said this. He said, listen, when you do this, it is a sweet-smelling, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And he will supply all your need according to his riches and glory. There are a lot of things I think we're worried about today, guys, when it comes to money, that makes me, that makes me pause it makes me pause. Why do we come up with these extra hoops to jump through when it comes to money that the apostles and the writers of the, of the, of the Bible didn't jump through? They were just full-on confident that if we're continuing to partner with the gospel, that God would take care of us. And that when we give generously to that, that he, re, he repays us. And they didn't apologize for that. Now, I know that there have been those that have used the gospel as a manipulative tool to try to get us to make them rich, and that is wrong. And you know what? Those men and women that do that, they'll stand before the Lord for that. But even those that have been defrauded by them, God is going to take care of those people because he's a good dad. Now, he's going to give them some wisdom, too, and be like, hey, you might want to go ahead and look into the finances of that because that's a solid gold jet. (laughs) now some people need a jet but I'm just saying the solid gold maybe we could talk about that are you guys with me and so Paul is saying you guys God is going to bless you he's going to take care of you you guys are going to have to forgive me because I am fighting off a cold and uh, I become very susceptible to bunny trails as it turns out when I'm fighting off a cold so now (laughs) I'm going to bring this to some kind of a close. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Not that I seek the fruit, but I, I'm sorry, the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Would you guys be willing to receive a message right now from Paul? Now, I'm speaking it, but would you be willing to receive a message from Paul that there could be some movement for those of us that have lost sight of the fact, number one, that it is possible to have godliness with contentment right now, no matter what your financial situation is? Would you be willing to receive right now from Paul and from me That I do not seek the gift of you bringing the tithes and offerings into this tribe that you call your tribe. But I do seek the fruit that would abound to your account if God were to find you faithful in partnering in the furtherance of the gospel of the kingdom. Would you receive that?
Would you be willing to consider that the Holy Spirit may have something to say to you right now if this has been a place where you have been unwilling to bring a sweet-smelling sacrifice to the Lord? Now, I want you to know something. I am a blessed man. I am a blessed man. God takes care of my every need. I want to share a couple of stories with you, and then I'll pull this all together. When I first came to Christ Center, it was a catalytic time, and I got to come in a, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you can listen to the podcast. I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't, shut up. Stop talking about past things, Josh. Come on. Focus, buddy. Whew, I didn't even take cold medicine. I, got, I don't even have that to blame. Here's the deal. When I came on, it was a catalytic time. And I came on in a, in a kind of a wild, a wild way. It was seven months of, of getting vetted and what have you. And, and it was a catalytic time for Christ Center. And there were a lot of folks that God reassigned during that time, called them into other tribes and different places. And, you know, sometimes God, when he's moving in a church and he brings something new on, brings a new pastor on, it's a good time to go connect with the new church. It's okay. Like, that's okay. And so that happened. But the people that left, like I showed up and like all the Lexuses left. And that was unfortunate. I was like, can you leave a couple Lexuses, Lord? And so, so when we came, about 100 people left. And I hadn't even preached yet. I'm just kidding. I had. I'm sure I have to own a few of those. But most of it, most of it, catch this, most of it, the Lord himself was, was reassigning people. You know, he was shifting up the team. It was good. It was a good thing. But... When I came on, the operating budget at Christ Center was $44,000 a month. We had a private school at the time as well. And $25,000 a month left with those 100 people. You do that math, right? That's $19,000 to work with, with $44,000 worth of operating expense that's still the same. And so we learned how to pray. But you know what? God was faithful. So the first thing that we did was, was, was Karen and I, we had just been hired on, and they offered us a certain amount of pay, and we felt like the Lord said, no, you take less. So we took a, so we took a pay cut. And then within a couple of months, we saw what was going on, and so we gave the whole staff a pay cut, 10% pay cut across the board, all staff, dropped all our health insurance. So no health insurance and a 10% pay cut, and my team stayed with me. Come on, that's enough to make me cry right now. You believe that? Then it got so bad that we went to the team and we said, listen, I understand that you need to take care of your family because your ministry to your family is your first ministry. So God doesn't sacrifice families on the altar of ministry. The first ministry is your family. So if you need to go work somewhere else to get a paycheck, we'll just figure it out. But, you know, so you don't have to stay, but here's what we got to do, guys. Everybody just needs to turn in how much money do you need to live right now? So that you can pay your bills and eat. Give us that number. That's what you're going to get paid. And we did that for a few months. That's the, that's the team you got. And they all paid their tithes this whole time, by the way. So, so this is what's going on in that, in that season. So we were learning to abase. All right? And you know what? There were some amazing things that happened while we were learning to abase. One, I fell in love with these guys like I have never been in love with them before. I mean, I, I am now, but at that time. Because I'm watching these families while they're sitting down and working out how much they can live on. And I'll tell you who was killing me, by the way, making me go to Jesus and become a better man, was the Hags, because they would write down some numbers. They got four kids. 
And they're writing down numbers. I'm like, that is way too low. Like, are you guys just fasting this whole time and praying? It just makes you fall in love. You know, I look back with affection on that time where we learned to abase. And you know what? The Lord, he paid our bills. It is miraculous how he would do that. $25,000 a month walks out the door and we're left trying to make things work. And you know what? God did it. In the middle of that time, the Lord put it on my heart. We were about to have a five-Sunday month, and I felt like the Lord said, you do not have enough. <laughs> I said, Lord, on this we agree. And I took to the pastors, and I felt like the Lord was saying, I want you to give away the fifth offering of this month. Give it away. <laughs> like, well, shoot, you know. At that time, I think we were about $84,000 upside down. That included the school. And, um, and so I was like, well, Lord, you know, <laughs> whatever that offering is, it's still going to be a whole lot less than what we need anyway. So if you're saying to give it, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited. And so we, we took the offering, and it was about $5,000, um, that, that particular offering at that time. And, um, and then we gave it away. We gave, we gave to a pastor who was struggling here in town. We gave it to some, uh, some different ministries. Nothing for us. Everything benefiting others. Nothing that benefited Christ Center of the tribe. And we said, Lord, we're just going to trust you. We're going to trust that as we give, you're going to supply our need according to your riches and glory. And so we did it. And so we, we did that. And during that time, by the way, the other thing that was going on was that Pastor Red, he's not here today. He's at, the, he's at a, uh, another church today. <laughs> he left. Just kidding. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's a church uh, pastor that we ordained um, uh, new song, and, um, and it's their uh, 25th anniversary today. So they're there celebrating. But Pastor Red had gone, uh, I don't even remember how long, without pay. And during that time, and if he was here, I would still tell it, but during that time, the crazy thing is, he would write a tithe check out of his savings on the money that we weren't paying him. So, I got all my staff and myself, we're all living on what we can live on, writing down that number. I got a pastor who's working for free and living out of savings and paying tithe out of his savings on the money we're not paying him. And the Lord says, give away the fifth offering this, this month. And so we said, well, Lord, we want to give this unto you. You're our supply. And so we did. And within the next, I don't recall if it was the next week or if it was in the next few days, but we had, a, we had an unexpected gift of $50,000 that came in. We don't get $50,000 gifts here. Yeah, come on. Can somebody get happy? <laughs> Thank you. We were happy. We were absolutely happy. I went home. Never mind. Okay. So <laughs> that was the best editing that I've ever done. Let me continue. What happened? What happened? We gave according to our ability, and in that particular situation, we gave beyond our ability. Now, I'm not going to take an offering at the end of this message, so if, don't, if you're feeling like that's where it's going, that's not it. The point here that I'm trying to convey to you is that I don't seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account as you begin to partner with God according to the gospel, he wants to entrust you with more. He wants to see you as someone that's trustworthy to extend his kingdom. 
And so wherever you are, the thing that you need to understand is that everything you have, he gave to you in the first place. And what he's waiting for you to do is to steward it according to his heart and his priorities. And he understands you're limited right now. But he's given us a starting point. He's given us the principle of the tithe. We've seen it since Abraham and through Isaac. We've seen Jesus talk about it and say, you should do the first things and not neglect the latter. You should do it all. Why? Because I want to be able to trust you with little things so I can give you important things. When Jesus talks about money, he says that's the not so important stuff. Who will entrust you with true riches if you can't be faithful with riches? And in the context of that, he says, if you're not faithful with someone else's stuff, how are you going to get your own? So whose money is it? It's his. It's his money. You're managing his money. And he says, listen, I want you to be faithful with it. But I want you to understand something. In the way that you give, that's the way you receive. Guys, I don't seek the gift. I'm doing fine. There's a faithful, you're a faithful people. I'm abounding right now. Pastors are starting to abound right now. Hallelujah. Christ Center is starting to abound right now. We get to give to widows and orphans. Shoot, we give $5,000 a month away almost every month now to widows and orphans and missionaries and benevolence. That's awesome. We, yeah. That's awesome. So, so I'm not here being like, oh, man, daddy needs a new car. I better get out here and preach on finances. No, I don't seek the gift. Don't flatter yourself. He'll take care of me without you. He likes me a lot. <laughs> he just does. All right. But I am seeking that you would begin to have fruit that abounds to your account because you know what? I want you to be trusted with, with cities. I want you to hear your father say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. Now take charge of five cities. You were faithful with somebody else's stuff. Now here's your own. You were faithful with money. I want, to make, I want, you, to, I want you to start helping me with people. But if you're not faithful with money, you surely aren't trustworthy with people. You see, you see that? And so I'm just saying what the scripture's saying. So this morning I have two things. Here's the action steps. The action steps are this. Father, if there's something going on in me, and beloved, if you, if you haven't begun to partner in the giving and receiving of finances in the tribe of which you're a part, boy, you're missing out. But I'm not condemning you. I'm saying, start with this part. Father, what is it that's going on in me right now that I haven't learned how to be content? Why, why, am, I spending, why am I spending your money on me? Do, do I think that, that there's not enough? Am I, am I not content? And just begin to bring that to him. Lord, teach me how to be content. Teach me how to have godliness with contentment. That, that I wouldn't decide I don't have enough and, and not be faithful in this area. Or, or decide, man, I got to have a whole lot more. I'm abounding and someday I'll, be, I'll, I'll have enough to do more of this. Well, no, you won't. You won't do that because it's contentment. So just start in that place. Dad's not going to condemn you. He's not condemning you. You're not going to go to hell because you didn't be faithful in finances. He, he gave you salvation and free life. That's growing in you. I'm saying grow up. I'm saying grow up. And begin to partner in giving and receiving in the kingdom, like Paul's saying, because God actually wants to entrust you with more that you could be more faithful. So will, will you take that before the Lord? If that's you, if that if that's if I'm poking you in the eye right now, go to the Lord and say, Lord, 
what, what's, what is up with this? There, there are those that, that have said, uh, you know, we're not under the law. We, we don't need to be worrying about no 10% anymore. That was under the law. Well, Abraham tithed before the law. Jesus said that these guys should continue in it, do the great things and the little things. Tithing is like the kindergarten of spirituality. And Jesus said, don't, don't try to skip kindergarten. You're going to want to be able to do math, you know. But here, here's the thing. You're, you're not under condemnation if, if you don't tithe. Um, you're not under condemnation if you don't tithe. You're, you're free to give as much as you want. It doesn't just have to be 10%. You could do 30 if you want. I mean, you're not, you're not, God's not going to be mad at you, you know, if you're feeling like, oh, wait, unless, now are you, are you wanting to give less than 10%? Is that why we're bringing this up? Because that's interesting. If, if somebody's here and saying, oh, no, I didn't, I wasn't worried about, about if God would be mad if I gave more than 10%. I was actually wanting to know if it's the law that I have to just give 10% because I don't want to do that. My question would be like, why would you want to do less than the minimum? You might take that before the Lord. I'm being kind of cute, but I'm just saying that's a, that's a strange motivation for the one who gave himself. That's a strange motivation. Just take that before the Lord. Lord, why is that? That's, that's, why am I in that place? Why am I rationalizing not even doing the minimum? I'm in the new covenant, and I want a way out of the minimum. Partnership. So wherever you are there, just take that before the Lord because he's a good dad and he'll talk to you about it. He'll talk to you about it. And I'm not trying to wound you, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Amen? And I want you to know he is so faithful. And this is one of those areas where he actually says, I want you to test me in this. It's one of the few places where he says, test me in this. And see if I don't pour out a blessing on you that you cannot contain. Try to outgive God. You can't do it. You cannot do it. Now, his timing is different than yours, but his blessing is far beyond what you could ask or think or imagine. Stand to your feet. Now, to God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, I pray your blessing over us. I thank you for these generous, powerful men and women that love you. Lord, I thank you that I have had the opportunity and the honor to be a recipient of their generosity towards your kingdom, Lord. Father, because of their faithfulness, I can pay my house payment. Because of their faithfulness, we get to write checks to widows and orphans. Because of their faithfulness, they're listening to me on a microphone instead of me yelling. And Lord, for that, I am grateful. And I pray that you would reward everyone in this house, Lord, according to your riches and glory. And in the places, Father, where we're still processing, we're still figuring out where we are, Lord, I thank you for your grace, and I ask you to bring revelation of your generosity. And I pray for each of us, God, that we would know you better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. The prayer servant team is coming forward. And so if you need prayer today, please come and receive, receive ministry. Higher than the
east on to the west is the law started with the sea Love. Mm. Love. 